welcome to another episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. Today's episode is going to be a fun ramble about planetary explorations, stuff on my Netflix list that I haven't watched that's been sitting and collecting dust, and any and all other random topics that may pop into my mind in a very boring or fun or interesting way to help you sleep and relax, depending on your preference and perspective. I saw the uh, trailer for Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos, and it piqued my interest. I have to admit, I'm a bit of a planetary nerd, insofar as I find the galaxy and universe very mysterious and fun to explore, but I don't know much of anything about it. Cosmos is presented by Neil deGrasse Tyson, but I think it's supposed to be Carl Sagan that actually presents the episodes, or maybe it's a documentary. Carl Sagan was absolutely, you know, basically the Neil deGrasse Tyson before Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Amazing teacher and a wonderful ability to make concepts as simple as possible. I'll never forget seeing a video on YouTube where Carl Sagan presents the idea of three dimensions. Of course, you should just see it for yourself if you're interested, but he uses a piece of paper, a flat one-dimension item, and helps viewers to visualize what a, uh, a 4D image might look like to us as creatures that live in a three-dimensional world. Just look it up, I'd say, if you're interested. I think just Carl Sagan 3D, or maybe Dimensions paper, something like that. Let me know if that works. I can say honestly that Jupiter has always been my favorite planet. I just liked how it was bigger than the other ones. I feel that Mars gets the most press and media attention. Things like The Martian, the movie with Jason Bourne, or Matt Damon, whatever his real name is. You know, you have Elon Musk talking about a campsite or forming a civilization on another planet, so... I think Mars is very overplayed in my mind. And I've always thought that Jupiter even had an amazing name. Jupiter. Like just something for me is just very cool. I've been to Jupiter, Florida. And I think I remember going to Jupiter, Florida because it was a city in Florida called Jupiter. Not to be confused with Jupiter Organic CBD, which is Honestly, the only CBD drops that I made part of my nightly, well, maybe daily sleep routine, depending on what the proper phrasing is. Jupiter Organic CBD, likely best paired when enjoying an episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. Sort of like an off button for your daily stress. 100% USDA organic. No, you will not get high. Yes. It is legal in your state because it's legal in absolutely every state. And yes, 
If you don't love it, you can return it. Jupiter backs their product up with a 30-day risk-free trial, so you get a full refund if you're not convinced. I definitely love the product. It is part of my sleep routine now. Helps me to sort of focus. Sometimes I'll take it twice. Actually, I'll take it um, right before my exercise or certainly right before I head to the office. Kind of helps me feel a bit calm. Gives me a sense of clarity, in my opinion. I think you'll love it if you try it. Just for you, you can get 10% off by visiting getjupiter.com and use promo code at checkout. Getjupiter.com promo code ASMR and enjoy 10% off. Thanks to Jupiter, the organic CBD company, and Jupiter the Planet for helping bolster my esteem for the name and planet and companies with the name Jupiter. No, I'm not lying about any of that. Jupiter the planet really is my favorite planet in our solar system. Jupiter the organic CBD company really is my favorite CBD company and certainly the one that I'm actually using in my daily or nightly routine. Of everything to lie about, you know, it makes more sense to say I'm recording this from a private yacht, you know, by the Maldives or that. I'm planning to go to my condo in Monaco to watch the next Monaco Grand Prix from the balcony with 1,000 of my closest friends. Although I understand we are flawed creatures, sometimes embellish or lie and, you know, sometimes we embellish or lie these quote-unquote silly things, depending on your perspective. I know a person that went out to dinner, then lied about going to McDonald's right after to save herself the embarrassment of admitting she had two meals in one night. I could kind of understand that one, but I'm feeling hungry because I didn't eat enough at dinner, then I have absolutely no shame in going to McDonald's right after. There's nothing quite like McDonald's after a fun night out of good, clean, often intoxicated fun. Pluto, whether it's a planet or not, still up for debate. I still consider it a planet. Sorry, old habits die hard. It's difficult for me after growing up being taught that Pluto is the very last planet in our solar system. And Pluto, I will admit, is probably my second favorite planet. That's the thing, right? Like, I've always thought Pluto was cool. It's the smallest one in our solar system. It's the very last one. You have Pluto the dog, the Disney dog. Which I think Pluto is supposed to be Goofy's dog. Which is strange because Goofy is kind of a dog, isn't he? I don't know if that's a slur. I don't mean to be a slur against Goofy and his kind of being, but it's kind of odd. It's like Mickey Mouse having a mouse as a, uh, as a pet. So Pluto, Pluto is my second favorite planet. Again, maybe it's no longer a planet. Maybe it is. You'll have to just uh, fight me on that.
Saturn, Venus, Uranus, a bit anonymous in my opinion. I don't necessarily think of anything pop culture about it. Venus has a line of shaving products, Saturn, Saturn, well, they used to make cars. I remember Saturn vividly in the uh, 90s. Even the logo really yelled, hey, we're a brand in the 90s, but maybe that's just me. Fairly certain they went bankrupt and sold their assets in like 2009 or 2010. Thinking about this has piqued my interest in asking what were the best cars Saturn made during their their run. So I'm actually going to pause this and do a quick search and see what comes up. So let's see. To you it's going to be three seconds. To me it's going to be three minutes of research. Three, two, one. Okay. From hotcars.com, an article from 2019 aptly titled The 10 Best Cars Saturn Ever Made Ranked. Written by Jeffrey Dankert. Jeffrey with a G, not with a J. Depends on how trustworthy Jeffrey's with G's really are. Number 10 is the Ion. It took Saturn 13 years to bring out a replacement for its S-series coupes and sedans. Coupes for my UK listeners. Based on the reaction to the Ion, however, perhaps GM shouldn't have bothered. The 2003 Ion had the same plastic body panels over steel subframe construction of its predecessor on a platform that would eventually be shared with the Chevy Cobalt and HHR. It also had an odd interior with layout an odd interior layout with a centrally mounted gauge pod and tiny steering wheel. Very un-Saturn fit and finish sloppiness. And a strange personalization scheme that included changing out the plastic door frames. Not even a supercharged red line coupe could mask the car's inherent issues. Car and Driver called it, quote, probably the most disappointing new American car in a decade, end quote. It lasted just four years. Number nine, the L-Series. One of Saturn's failings was that it took almost a whole decade for the division to bring out a second model line. It didn't help that the L-Series sedan and wagon were so uninteresting. Based on the same platform that underpinned the contemporary Saab 900 and 9000, the L-Series was aimed at the heart of the mid-size sedan class. Um, it's got a few other things up there, but I'll move on. Number eight is a relay. By the mid-2000s, the U.S. minivan market had coalesced around three major players, Chrysler, Honda, and Toyota. GM was still in the game, though largely for fleet purposes, and Saturn was part of the company's last attempt to make an impression among minivan buyers. The 2005 Relay was a rebadged Chevy Uplander and was designed to, more, to look more SUV-ish than its predecessor. It was a decent value, but the Relay and its co corporate siblings lacked a lot of the convenience features of the top vans on the market. 
the relay was discontinued after the 2007 model year. Number seven is the Aura. These are all models that I don't remember myself. I was never a Saturn aficionado. If you were a Saturn fan in the 90s or early 2000s, let me know what attracted you to the brand. Number seven, the Aura. Aura. Laura without the L. After the L series elicited the sound of one hand clapping across America, Saturn tried again in the midsize class with the Aura. 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 A-U-R-A. Derived from the same platform as the Pontiac G6, the Chevy Malibu, and the Opel Insignia. Stylistically, it more resembled the German side of the family and aspired to environmental relevance with a, quote, mild, end quote, hybrid option that was neither as efficient as a full-on hybrid nor as expensive. Number six, the Astra. While the styling for the Aura midsize sedan suggested a German lineage, the car Saturn picked to replace the Ion in 2007 was considerably, considerably more overt. The division plucked the Astra sedan and hatch right off Opel's assembly line in Belgium, gave them new badges, and rolled them out. This instantly gave Saturn a competitive entry in a class of vehicles that included the Honda Civic, Ford Focus, VW's Golf, and Toyota Corolla. The Astra gave up a bit in power to its competitors, but was praised for its handling upscale interior, and strong equipment levels. Unfortunately, growing uncertainty about the future of GM and its, sub and its divisions doomed the chic little Astra virtually from the start. It was dropped two short years later. Number five is the view. I remember the view. Saturn's first SUV rolled out more than a decade after the division's debut, but it was largely worth the wait. The first vehicle to the platform eventually adopted by the Chevy Equinox, 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 tomato, tomato. The view bore a strong resemblance to the S-Series sedan and was notable in that it was the first GM product to be powered by a Honda engine, the 3.5 liter V6 from the Odyssey minivan. Number four, S-Series sedan. Here's the one that started it all. The first generation sedan, sharing virtually no parts with any other GM car and designed completely in-house, yet somehow still looking like a, the contemporary old Cutlass Supreme sedan. Compared to the GM Compacts, next page, with which it would be competing. The S-Series sedan offered a smoother and more modern drivetrain dent-resistant plastic panels, and a superior sales experience. No wonder the divisions were so upset. Sales for the first few years of production were very good, before the age of basic platform began, began to catch up with it. Number three is the S-Series Coupe, or Coupe. The S-Series Coupe shared the sedan, drivetrain, and interior features, 
wrapped in a sleek wind cheating shape with a funky hidden headlight, at least for the first generation. However, the SC's real standout feature had to wait for the second generation when it moved to the longer sedan wheelbase. In a forehead smacking, why didn't I think of that innovation? The 1999 Saturn Coupe added a third, quote, suicide door style door behind the driver's door, which, like extended cab pickups of the day, could not be opened unless the driver's door was opened. This immediately made the coupe more practical without sacrificing its swoopy style. Since then, cars such as the Mazda RX-8 and the current Hyundai Veloster have employed this unique door setup, but Saturn did it first. Number two, Saturn Outlook. The first generation of GM's big crossover, big crossover SUVs came in three flavors. Professional, GMC Arcadia, Luxurious, Buick Enclave, and Value, Saturn Outlook. The front-slash-all-wheel-drive wagon could be equipped to seat up to eight people, effectively replacing the relay in Saturn's product lineup, and was the cheapest way to get into one of GM's very good full-size crossovers. The Outlook sold well for Saturn and was helping bring people back into showrooms, but the decision to drop the division left the Outlook without a home. The Chevy Traverse took up the value position in that hierarchy, and the Outlook's exterior panels would eventually return for a mid-cycle refresh of the GMC Acadia. And number one, the moment of truth, the moment that you've been waiting to listen to this entire episode, I'm sure. What was the best car Saturn ever made? And the answer is number one, the Saturn Sky. The best car Saturn ever sold was its least practical and one of its least popular, according to Jeffrey with a G. The Sky and its Pontiac Solstice companion were born of XGM product chief Bob Lutz's attempt to bring more excitement to the company's generally lackluster models. The Sky convertible was copped together with parts from the Cobalt-slash-Ion platform covered in a shape designed by the guy who went on to draw the Tesla Model S, X, and 3. Compared with the Solstice, the Sky featured a more elaborate exterior design, additional sound insulation, and a slightly more upscale interior. The Sky was also briefly sold overseas as the Opel GT, continuing the intellectual property agreement between GM's U.S. and U.S. operations. The sky went dark in 2009 as Saturn wound down production. So there you have it. So let's uh, change gears here. No pun intended, but I kind of wish I would have intended it. Okay, let's touch briefly on Netflix because this was something I alluded to in the introduction of the episode, but I haven't gotten to yet because I have a truly impressive ability to ramble and stray from topics being discussed. Now, me being me, let's admit it, most of us are guilty of what I'm about to say. I added Cosmos to my list. Super excited to watch it. Um, even though I think it's not on Netflix. I think it's on maybe 
it's Hulu. Prime Video. I don't remember where it's on, but super excited to watch it. Thinking about it, when's the best time to watch it? Maybe it should be when I'm enjoying dinner or perhaps on a day off, just start my day and binge it. So many possibilities, right? And yet, that one day never really comes because here I am several weeks later talking to you about how I haven't watched it yet. And it just made me think about how I bet all of us do that. You know, look through your Netflix account and see what you have on your list. The stuff on there that I bet has been sitting there for years. You know, for example, I added the uh, show Highwaymen on Netflix on my list. Legitimately, I've been interested. I did not add it for the sake of adding it, but rather I was curious, right, to see what the show was about. And I've just never made time in my busy schedule wasting time with other shows and forms of entertainment. The only example of something I've added to my list a while ago that I finally got around to watching was the movie The Lobster. The one with Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz. I really did enjoy that film, actually. I typically like films that are a bit different. You know, ones that have dry humor usually appeal to me, and ones that are able to create a, a really interesting world and stick to it. Like, when I'm watching a movie, I want to feel like I can really believe the world I'm watching, and I want to I want to be like a. I want to be able to see a glimpse into the lives of the characters we follow. And for me, the lobster I felt did a very good job. For those unfamiliar, the lobster is a dystopian comedy kind of movie. It has a very interesting and unique premise. Single people are given about forty-five days to find a romantic partner, or otherwise get turned into animals. So you follow Colin Farrell, who. As you probably guessed by the title of the film, chose, he chooses to become a lobster if he cannot find a romantic partner in that time. I forget why he chooses lobsters, but he does. And in any case, the film tells this dark yet humor, humorous, humor, humorous, my English today is not so good. Um, the film tells this dark yet humorous. Oh my gosh, I just did it again. Yet humorous story of Colin Farrell's character in his journey to find a romantic partner in 45 days. Frankly, I don't want to ruin it for you. Just check it out if you're interested. The Lobster. I'm pretty sure it's available on Netflix right now still. Worth a watch if you enjoy dark humor kind of films. Well, I think with that I'm done rambling for this episode my question for you is which is your favorite planet and why remember to try Jupiter Organic CBD by visiting getjupiter.com that's getjupiter.com using promo code ASMR for 10% off your order any questions, comments, suggestions anything at all email me at hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com that's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening and 